Good morning, Four Oaks Church. Just dawned on me, if you ever see me wearing a beanie over my bald head, my dome, um, you, you know it's got to be in the you know below 40 degrees. Um, so, so if you ever see me wearing this, you know it's particularly chilly outside, which it is this morning, but it's a beautiful morning. And it is Thursday, December 7th. Um, to, uh, what year is this? <laughs> I was just thinking it's, it's the anniversary of Pearl Harbor, of course, a day that would live in infamy. That's December 7th, 1941. It's December 7th, 2023, this morning. So glad that you have joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We have been camping out on three parables of Jesus this week, and we're going to be preaching on this on these three parables this coming Sunday. And as we've seen, this is sort of the punctuation mark on a series of parables that Jesus has been laying out for us to help explain why some are rejecting him and some are receiving him. Um, how it is that we're to, to live in that tension um, that the kingdom has come, um, but yet it's not fully consummated. It's what theologians call the already and the not yet. And, and so we've, we've looked at two parables so far this week, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great value. And just a, a quick way to maybe sum up each of those so far and what we've talked about is um, with, with the parable of the hidden treasure, what we see is the surprising joy of the kingdom, right? That, that this man was not looking for a treasure, but upon discovering it, really it transformed his whole outlook of his life and it brought such incredible joy he was ready to do anything in order to to pursue this this new reality of the kingdom and the pearl of the of great value what we see is that um the 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 kingdom is of supreme value and because of its it's of supreme value it it calls forth for and is worthy of the ultimate sacrifice. And so this man, um, up in search of fine pearls, who found one, um, went and sold everything that he had, leveraged all that he had. And this was not a hard trade-off um, because he knew the, the, um, the inestimable value of this pearl. So it was no thing for him to give up everything in his life to leverage for it. So we see the surprising joy of the kingdom. We see the supreme value of the kingdom. But today, we're going to see the serious business of the kingdom, all right? So this is the parable of the net. So let, let me read. Um, we're not going to read all the parables this morning. Let me just read the one we're going to focus on. This is Matthew 13, 47 through 50. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this, par this parable sounds a lot like the parable we looked at last week, the parable of the weeds. And, and the whole idea of that is that in between the first and second comings of Christ, um, Christ came, inaugurated his kingdom through his death and resurrection. 
His first time, when he returns, he'll be inaugurating his physical kingdom over everything. And what we've seen, though, is that between those two times, that there will be those who embrace the kingdom, those who reject the kingdom, and that they will be interspersed together. They will live on the same earth. They will use the same facilities. They will have the same jobs. They will reside in the same neighborhoods. Um, they will live side by side alongside of one another. And this is because um, final judgment has not yet come. And there are many of those who are still weeds who yet will one day be wheat, who will one day be sons of the kingdom, but they're, they're in the kingdom of darkness. But there is, a, there is an intermission, so to speak. Well, this, this parable sounds a lot like that because it points us to the time when, yes, there are people living um, on both sides of the aisle when it comes to the kingdom, but that one day it won't be that way anymore. One day, the two will be separated out, okay? And this parable gives us a bit more specificity as to the nature of that final judgment, okay? So look, look, back, at the, look back at the parable. So it says, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, and it was thrown into the sea, gathered fish of every kind. Here, here's, here's something important to remember. A lot of times, we subtly or not so subtly, we, we kind of make an assumption that yes, we're Christians, yes, we trust in Christ, but this is simply one option among many in the smorgasbord of spiritualities offered in the 21st century, that we do think Christianity is true, it's compelling, etc., but there are many other paths for people um, where they find their meaning, and this parable undercuts that directly and says there is no such reality as that. Christianity is not one option among many. Christ is one Lord above all. That in his coming, there is now no longer neutral ground. Um, his coming is like that net. It captures everyone. It makes a claim on everyone. You cannot not respond to the kingdom, okay? or to Jesus. Not responding to Jesus is the same thing as responding to him, which means rejecting him. And so we're reminded here that, that there's not many nets thrown into the ocean. There's one net, and that's God's rule and reign. And as such, it, it makes a claim on everyone. So here in verse 48, it says, when it was full, and here now we're talking about the harvest, okay? Uh, we're talking about the end time. So that's what the gathering of the harvest means. So that when the net was full, uh, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good, but threw away the bad. Okay, this again echoes the previous parable where the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds are being separated at the final judgment. And it says that the angels will be doing the reaping. They're, they're the emissaries of, of Jesus. They're his messengers they're his, um, his servants who do his bidding. And so at the end of the age, um, there will be a separation um, from, of the evil from the righteous, okay? And so here obviously is a, a, a metaphor, a picture 
of what's going to happen when Jesus returns one day. Now, these parables to this point have emphasized the incredible value of the kingdom, um, the, the, the supreme worth, the surprising joy. But here, we are, we are reminded that there is a shadow side to the kingdom. And, and let, me, let me put it this way, n not a shadow side of the kingdom, a shadow side to those who would not embrace the kingdom that's fully offered them. That, that's really what we're, what we're talking about here. And it says that those who are not a part of God's kingdom, who've rejected Christ, will be thrown into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, or as one of you reminded me as your child used to say, weeping and brushing of teeth. But weeping and gnashing of teeth, the fiery furnace. Now, this is probably one of those verses that's the hardest for us, even as Christians, but as 21st century Christians, to wrap our minds around. That inasmuch as there is eternal joy promised to those who are a part of God's kingdom, there is eternal punishment uh, promised to those who, um, who reject Jesus. And this is pictured not as a simple, you know, you're not a part of the party and you have to go home, but, but you're actually, there, there is some sort of cognizant, ongoing punishment, torment for not being a part of the kingdom. And let's be honest, that is, that is a hard word right? Um, that elicits all sorts of, of pictures of just, you know, of horror, of unfairness. Um, how could a loving God do this? And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to um, try to look at all the, the, the texts that, that support this idea because they are voluminous, right? They are, they are many. Um, I do just simply want to say this is one of those areas where we have to let God be God, where we don't try to explain away. You know, now, now some have looked at this and said, well, that's a fire's a metaphor for the fact that people are going to be obliterated or abolished or just consumed and cease to exist. Okay. And I would simply say, um, there's nothing in the scriptures that lend support to that, okay? Now, if we get to heaven, or then part of the kingdom, and come to realize that people are not in eternal torment because these were simply metaphors that spoke to being, um, you know, taken out of existence, consumed by fire, um, hallelujah, right? But there's nothing in the text that tells us this, right? And I think it, we put ourselves in the God, in the place of God by saying, well, it just can't be that way. There has to be another alternative. And I would just simply want to caution us there, right? Um, we don't want to say more, nor do we want to say less than the text says. And I think that this holds up for us this idea that when we are presenting Jesus, okay, when we are proclaiming the gospel and the kingdom, it is serious business, right? It's an all-encompassing claim. And for us to mute that message, okay, or to round the edges off in some way doesn't seem to follow the pattern of Jesus or the scripture writers, okay? And so 
So this is, again, a reminder that much is at stake in the proclamation and living out of the kingdom. It, it instills a sense of urgency. It instills a sense of spiritual sobriety, okay? Not moroseness, okay, right? There's plenty of joy in these other parables, but it does, again, remind us that there is much at stake. Everything's at stake when we talk about the kingdom of God. So let us not treat it differently than Jesus treats it. Remember, um, there's no one in the Bible who speaks more about hell and eternal punishment than Jesus, which is an interesting thing, right? Because oftentimes we we say, well, we want to be like Jesus, and Jesus was non-judgmental. Jesus was um, did not speak in these kind of terms, but Jesus is the one who spoke in the clearest kinds of terms. He spoke in many terms, right? But we don't want to create a Jesus in our own image by truncating part of the gospel message and what Jesus says is plainfully a, a, a reality. And so we proclaim Jesus comes. There is no middle ground. You're either for him or against him. You're either with him forever or separated apart from him forever. And, um, and that is the reality of the choice that's between before all of us. So there we go. Now, tomorrow we're going to close down this discussion by looking at some, some concluding remarks that Jesus makes uh, about these parables, okay? And look forward to doing that with you right here. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be sober-minded and to remember that the kingdom is serious business. And because of that, um, it, it instills urgency, it instills priority, it instills um, proclamation, purposefulness in every area of our life, Lord. And so let us, again, see this for as it truly is. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, everybody. See you back here tomorrow.